0: Hi everyone, my name is Andy Cooper-Parks, and I'm one of the leaders here at Flood. I'm really excited to kick off a new series this Sunday called Picture This, How the Parables of Jesus Give Us Hope. We have a whole lineup of parables we're going to dive into over the next few weeks, and it's gonna be really life-giving and also challenging. I hope you'll tune in. They're all gonna be standalone, so feel free to share them afterwards with friends or those you feel need to hear this. The leadership team actually landed on this series because of the season we're in together. Most everyone living in the world right now has not lived through a pandemic, this scale or severity. It's testing and challenging our ways of life, how we do community, how we do trade and commerce, leisure, work, It's exposing a lot of global disparities like none other, the racial and economic injustices, and even deepening the hard to see realities of so many living with limited or no safety nets with little to no access to the most basic needs and public services. And the World Health Organization is actually estimating that for the first time in 30 years, global poverty is going to rise. Malawi is months behind the pandemic's trend of other countries, but we're starting to feel and see it more here. There's a lot to be fearful of, to have anxiety over, and even be mad about. Some of us have lost expectations, have unknown futures, or at best are just trying to take one day at a time. If you know my family's story right now, we're in totally a season of transition and unknowns. It's also in these times when hard things happen that would normally just be difficult. It doesn't feel like that. It feels like we're being kicked when we're down. So this series is about hope. Hope in the midst of possibly one of our lifetime's hardest seasons collectively. In a season like this, I can see two ways that we as Christians can respond. We can look at this pandemic and all the other global issues that are and injustices that are surfacing, and we can look at the version of the Christian faith that seems way too small to help us address these problems and just say, no thanks. Or we can dig in and expand our faith and try to listen with new ears and see with new eyes the one who has walked all paths that we might take. So, to do number two and not number one, we may need a re education, as this progressive theologian named Marcus Borg said. I learned about this guy because he's one of my dad's favorite, uh, and he, my dad's a retired United Methodist pastor. He loves his readings. And Ward challenges us to a renewal of the heart and practice of our Christian faith. He specifically talks about how education really matters for adults, particularly in times of change and transition. So for many in the church, education is actually going to involve re-education from a way of seeing Christianity that we learned as a child, to a way of seeing Christianity that makes persuasive sense to us as adults at the beginning of the 21st century. This is a very pressing need right now, and it's actually really difficult to give one's heart over to something that our head's going to reject. Now, when we talk about changes or re-education, what is he talking about? And Brian McLaren, who is a theologian that I particularly like, he puts it this way. Sadly, in too many ways, we continue to reduce the scope of the gospel to the individual soul and nuclear family framing it in in a comfortable, very personalized format. It's all about personal devotion, personal holiness, and a personal savior. And this very domesticated gospel will neither rock the boats that we need rocking or step out of them into stormy waters, which is what um, society is calling us to do. We have, in many ways, responded to the global crises that we have right now with a very incredible, shrinking gospel. So one alternative of this would be to turn to hopelessness. But instead, the expansion of our faith needs to include a hope for us and the generations that are gonna follow that can face the big problems that are facing our world today. So I hope you're with me on number two, meaning digging in. And this is why we're gonna talk about Jesus' parables. Many of us have learned these as children Others of us have heard countless messages on them as adults. Don't let their familiarity lose their power to surprise and inspire us. They are essentially a great place to come back to some of Jesus's core teaching. If you're new to the parables, they're short stories that Jesus told us to give hope for God's kingdom. Now what's cool is that they're actually about how to make the kingdom reality on earth comes really nicely from our previous series about the Lord's Prayer, where we all know it, thy kingdom come, dot, 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 on earth as it is in heaven. Now the point of Jesus' mission was to create God's kingdom here, now. These short stories or parables are about how to do that. So we're gonna jump into one of the most famous of his parables, the parable of the sower, and see if we can hear it with a new lens for our current circumstances. So let's read the text, remind ourselves of the specific teaching, and just to tell you, this is actually a parable that's found in, in all of the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And we're going to be reading uh, from Matthew chapter 13, 1 through 9. The first part is actually the teaching, the parable, and in the second half, Jesus breaks it down for us. We're not going to read that part. Here we go. That same day, Jesus left the house and went to sit by the sea. Large crowds gathered around him, and he got into a boat on the sea and sat there. The crowd stood on the shore waiting for his teaching, and so Jesus began to teach. On this day, he spoke in parables. Here is his first parable. Once there was a sower who scattered seeds. One day he walked in the field, scattering seeds as he went some seeds fell beside the road and a flock of birds came and ate all those seeds. So the sower scattered seeds in a field, one with shallow soil and stream with rocks. But the seeds grew quickly and amid all the rocks without rooting themselves in the shallow soil. Their roots got tangled up in all the stones. The sun scorched these seeds and they died. And so the sower scattered seeds near a path This one covered with thorny vines, or thorns. The seeds fared no better there. The thorns choked them, and they died. And so finally the sower scattered his seeds in a patch of good earth. At home in the good earth, the seeds grew and grew. Eventually the seeds grew, bore fruit, and the fruit grew ripe and was harvested. The harvest was immense, 30, 60, 100 times what was sown. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So this parable is really simple on the face of it. The sower scatters his seed generously and it ends up on four different types of soil. Some land on the side of the road, some on rocks, other on thorny soil and some in good soil. The first three, three groups of seed die and the seed planted in the good soil flourishes and produces an abundant harvest. Jesus himself goes on to then explain the meaning of the parable. The sower is Jesus. The seed is God's word. And the different types of soil represent the hearer's ability to receive the word and allow it to grow and flourish in our hearts. Now, the harvest could be said to be our good works and faith, which are given for the nourishment of the world. So I'm going to talk to you about three themes that I see in this parable, all that anchor us with hope and point us towards this re-education that I was talking about of our faith in the face of our current global and local issues. We're going to start with the soils part. I'm sure you've all heard messages about the soils before. While the soils are actually not the main point of the parable, we shouldn't ignore, and ignore them because they do hold very hopeful lessons for us in our current circumstances. So Jesus knew that most of the crowd would say, Wow, great story, and move along with their lives. <laughs> so he ended the parable with that, with this, He who has ears to hear, let them hear. Jesus was challenging them to think about the meaning of the parable. So the best part of Jesus' examples of these soil types is that a lot of us will experience most of them throughout our lives. So each one has importance. So the first one, some fell along the path. Some people call this the blind heart or the blind faith. This is the in one ear and out the other crowd. Picture like a rural Malawian road hardened by years of travel of men, women, animals. What happens to the seed when it falls there? It sits out in the open for the birds to come and get. If we don't take our faith and walk with Jesus seriously, that's the soil that we're representing. Some fell on rock. This is the second one. Sometimes people call this the rocky or unsteady heart or rocky faith. These people know the Bible well, but when they're tested, they collapse. They have no roots or are very shallow ones. They're not planted deep enough in the soil, so Jesus hasn't truly become a foundation for them or something that they can fall back on. It's a superficial faith that springs up in when times are good and when the heat comes just like the sun on a very hot day here the small seedling that shot up on that rock is going to wither wither and die. A global pandemic might be another example. We can't finish school. You're limiting your social work, your social network. Don't touch anyone. Don't meet in church. We can all wither. The third is that the other seed fell among thorns. Sometimes this is called the rebellious or wavering faith or rebel faith, rebel heart. They hear the Word but do nothing with it. So they know the Bible very well as well as the, the previous soil, but they don't really accept it. They teach it, but don't practice it. We're not, if we're not earnestly seeking but to become more like Jesus, it leads to indifference about our relationship with Him. So what happens? The source of that satisfaction comes, starts to come from external things, the thorns, wealth, comfort, pleasures, prosperity. Even though the seed was planted in good soil, the thorns choke it over time. And then the fourth one, still other good, the seeds fell on good soil. Sometimes this is the remaining, the steadfast heart, uh, and it yielded the crop 100 times more than was sown. It may seem like really funny math, weird business strategy, possibly, but all of this was quite intentional in the parable with the disciples. So there's actually gonna be times in your life when you feel like you're firmly planted in very good soil. And if you're there now, then by all means, use this opportunity to love on others, to grow closer to God, and even throw some seed yourself. If that's not where you are, that's okay you can get there, and we're going to come back to that. So I actually want to go back to the third soil, the, thorn, the, thorny, the thorny soil. And this is the first theme thing that, thing that I want to bring out. Uh, what are the thorns telling us? So this is actually the one that scares me the most, and the one that I think Jesus is asking us as a Christian community to think about during this time. Our generations and the younger ones that are coming up in a culture and a world that's now more fully aware of the kinds of injustices named on media headlines or on the lips of politicians and activists, integrated or felt so much more because of technology and our connectedness. But these same generations are also tempted to be immobilized and feel hopeless in the face of them. Part of the reason I would suggest is that the faith resources that the big church has provided during this time is actually too small to give hope in the face of injustice. Essentially, we're allowing on a very global scale (laughs) that our faith is slowly being given up, it's giving up, it's conceding to give up in the face of these injustices and I don't think that's what it's supposed to be. God is a God of justice. He loves it. He loves all his children, no matter the color of our skin, their born nationality, their disability status, age, sex, tribe, political party, wealth, etc. We just need to be ready to push through the thorns that don't make sense with what you know about Jesus and God. Thorns are typically protective or defense mechanisms. If you start seeing thorns, show up in your life and they're tightening around your faith, then dig into it. Why does that thorn hurt you? Why, why do those thorns make you angry? Or make you question things, things that you thought were true? How did that thorn even appear with the life that you currently lead? Do, do your inner work or heart work, as a, as a friend of mine says, to break down the false characteristics of God that you've learned or identify inside yourself the injustices that you embody or enable that you haven't even yet recognized. I guarantee you God will be there in the questioning and in the dismantling and untangling of all the thorns that you come across, and you'll find a truer version of him and yourself at the end. So this is bringing me to number two, the sower. What kind of sower is this? If we reread the parable from the perspective of the sower, we get a very uh, different understanding of why Jesus called it the parable of the sower and not the parable of the soil. The sower is actually the point. Jesus shares that the sower scattered seed, which is the word of God, on all types of ground. It didn't say he was meticulously planting the seeds in designated good soil areas. It says he was scattering it everywhere not like I would have done as a perfectionist. Now, to me, that seems a little wasteful. I mean, if you were planting a field, and I'm sure some of you have, why would you throw seed on rocks or thorns or on the side of the road? Wouldn't you wanna be careful and put them in good soil from the beginning to not waste your resources? But remember what Jesus had said earlier in Luke, it is not the healthy who need a doctor but the sick. He makes it very clear in this, to bring the kingdom to earth. He came to do that for everyone. This parable is not about the soils. It's about God's generous grace. The grace of God is represented quite graphically with the sower, who's literally broadcasting the seed wide and far, almost without regard at all of what's gonna happen we do not serve a stingy God who picks and chooses who's good or who's good enough to hear him. He just graciously sows into everyone who's willing to accept him. We serve a very giving and loving God. And the hope in this is catching that God actually just flings the seed everywhere, wastes it with holy abandon. (laughs) Who feeds the birds? He whistles at the rocks, He is so confident there's enough seed. He gives a shout-out to all the good soil seed going on. He just keeps on sowing. Very confident that there's plenty to go around. And when the harvest comes, guess what? There's going to be enough seed and enough to fill every barn and every bushel or basket. God's not going to give up on us. His grace is unending. We will never know or probably understand its limits. And no matter what infertile soil or fertile soil you're on right now, he's still sowing and wants our stories of life. And that includes pain, of joy, all of it. He wants all of those stories to come to fullness. So he is for us in this season and always. Now, in the parable, the sower didn't give notice to the soils, as I said, and he scatters it whether we are ready, paying attention, willing to receive the seed at all. And God is always speaking to us and the seed is always being sown. So this leads me to the final theme and message. This is the need for decision, response, and perseverance. What part do we have to play in this? So the parable shows up in the Bible after two full chapters that describe Jesus' ministry and teaching and the very mixed response to it, even from his own family members. So you might think from that, if Jesus was here with us now, life would be so much more straightforward and clear and easier. But that's not the case. How people receive the good news about the kingdom of God and whether it's coming respond as mixed for Jesus as is going to be for us as often is for us. So this parable is both explaining what has already happened and also gives anticipation to the disciples what they're going to find when they go out in their mission and ministry and also what we find today. So the irony of this parable is that the soils you know, don't have a choice in what they're like, but people do have a choice about how they respond. So Despite the apparent fixed division between soil one, two, three, and 4, and the apparent fixed division in this prophecy in Isaiah about this, that those who listen and those whose hearts have grown dull, the point is actually the invitation to change. Those who have ears to hear, let them hear. I think we have this responsibility to prepare the soil and cultivate a rich harvest. Jesus is inviting us to go through our own preparation of our soil and to care for what God has planted within us. Dirt-packed paths can be broken up, the soil can be enriched with fertilizer, rocks and debris can be removed, thorns and weeds can be torn out, leaving behind very fertile space for growing. So we all have a part to play in this story other than just being receptive. It's about persevering through this, during the seasons like we are now in. And in many ways, I think this parable summarizes what ordinary time is all about. You can see here, ordinary time, this is the liturgical calendar, it's the biggest part. Ordinary time is represented by the green, so you can see how much of this, of the year, of the liturgical year, ordinary time makes up. Ordinary time, it's the season of the year when we are given time and space to farm our hearts and our soils, to make what, (laughs) what we receive in other seasons of the year. And to be very honest, in preparing this message, I felt quite compelled to reach out to start counseling for myself. I have uncovered some thorns. And if I'm truthful, some huge boulders in my soil um, of my own life. And it's time to listen and to start breaking up that soil. And I think it is in these unprecedented times that we're being called to do the hard work of becoming better disciples of Jesus. To pray, to discern, to do things that take us outside of ourselves and our, our comforts. And do this extraordinary work. And... With what Luke calls in the same parable in his version, patient endurance. So, when you're confused about all this mess of what's happening in your life or in the world, dig in, pun intended, and remember this. Listen to the thorns, receive God's grace, and recognize that you don't know its real limits, and He is for us in this time and prepare for change, and persevere with patience. Despite some very indifferent, shallow, fruitless seeds, in the end, there is a harvest, and it is exceptionally and exponentially greater than we could ever have imagined. It may not be the way we expect it, but there is significant fruit at the end. There is so much right now that is heavy on us, and there's also so much to be hopeful for. And I pray that you can use this time to lean in and see what your heart is holding so you can be firmly rooted in Jesus' hope for the kingdom here on the earth. Amen. God, I just ask that you be with us this week as we start and as we face the thorns that we are going to uncover. Allow us to just grab a hold of your hand to walk with right now. Give us courage to persevere and to do our necessary work for change within us and around us in our community and the world at large. Thank you so much for your love and for your timeless teachings. Amen.